I hope you're strapped in and strapped on. Three hours of smashing and my child Three. bed. Wait, sorry. Three hours. It's not a bad thing to be spiritual and be sexual at the same time. I didn't feel shame. I didn't feel judged. I just, I felt me. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Sexistentialist. This is your host, M, and uh, today here at, at Sexistentialist, as usual, we're going to talk a little bit about sex, but today we're going to talk about sex and religion. And I'm here today with a dear, dear friend of mine, Enrique. Enrique, thanks so much for joining me. Oh, uh, thank you so much for having me. It is a complete honor to be on here with you, M. I How long am, have we known each other? I was about to say, um, I feel like <laughs> we've known each other in passing for like six Beyond. years, seven years, I don't know, but but genuine, true acknowledgement and friendship, I mean, four, four I'm and a, a half, I don't know. It's, We're it's getting older years, very actually. quickly. It's four years. Oh yeah, what year is it? You know what? Time doesn't exist. But- we're getting old quickly is what we're learning. Valid. Extremely valid. We definitely knew the same people. We just didn't know each other. Yeah. For, so, for yeah. the audience, we'll share that we actually became friends through college, but while in another country studying abroad. So it took us crossing an ocean to become close. And I will always think... Uh, you know, the abroad experience for that relationship. Oh, definitely. I mean, we caught on to each other in a way like we wouldn't have ever been able to connect back at our home university. Like it took us spending money and committing to a program <laughs> for two months to finally so be like, money. oh my God. I so know. We found each other. <laughs> we found each other in Europe and that's a beautiful kind of jumping off point. And I feel like, you know, of course, we probably both have lots of fun and funky stories about travels as it relates to uh, the topic of this podcast, but it's my understanding that we have from you kind of a classic Enrique anecdote that you've you've prepared, and I'm personally very excited to hear it because I have yet to. Oh, OMG. Um, so yeah, okay, so every gay man's fantasy while growing up is, at least in my point of view, <laughs> having sex in your childhood bed the reclamation like the si- yes dreams do come true <laughs> you will have sex with a man and guess what you also have it in the same place where you were once dreaming about, about men and also at the same time judging yourself for dreaming about men <laughs> it's a full circle moment <laughs> it's a full circle moment like Okay, I am going to be very honest with you, and you can shame me for this later. This was, like, middle of pandemic, me no longer giving too much of a care. (laughs) However, I did do some vetting. I had met this man. Some COVID vetting. Some COVID vetting, you know, exactly. (laughs) I had met this man previously. We had gone on a date. He was he came off as like very healthy, mm-hmm. um, very Crucial. self-aware of his environment and also carries around hand sanitizer with him. These are all such two. healthy traits. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> healthy traits in real life, um, but like aphrodisiacs for me. Yeah. <laughs> There's a fine line, honestly. There's a fine line. And like I'm honestly just like, come over. No one's home. Just come over. Man shows up and I immediately just like start ravaging him right of at course. the front door. 
and then pull him into my bedroom where like I have like Star Wars paraphernalia, <laughs> gay paraphernalia. I'm watching Big Little Lies on my TV. The vibe. Um, like, who else doesn't enjoy Reese Witherspoon and Nicole Kidman and Laura Dern? Like, that fucking combo. Don't like, forget who... Shailene. Shailene and was a star. Shailene Woolley. The star of, um, God, what's the name of the uh, Secret Life of the American Teenager. Like, that was that was the bop back that in the day. That was, talk about taboo. We've really, we've really grown um, in our in our ability to talk about sex, man, that was a sweet secret Ooh. life of the American teenager. Our, our society's honestly gotten very far since then. Like we yes. we've definitely evolved. Yeah, you know there were some setbacks. You know, twenty sixteen was a very dark year. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, we're not necessarily like thriving a whole lot more Whatever. than we were yeah. then. But like, there's there's been a shift, and I think it's sometimes for the better. Okay, okay, so you take him into your room. There's Star Wars. There's Big Little Lies. <laughs> Yeah, Big Little Lies. There's like um, all of my travel paraphernalia, and there's like other things. We're like we're mo- we're kind of moving, so I don't have a lot of like portraits hung up, but I do have right above my bed a crucifix. Oh my Talk god! Talk about <laughs> yes, exactly. Talk Mood about like, this whole yeah, like you are like you're about to get fucked by <laughs> a good Catholic boy. That's Turns kind of like a-, a vibe. Exactly. Turns right? out he's also a good Catholic boy. So it was fine. And also disclaimer for the audience, I am exclusively a top, but that's primarily due to tra- past trauma. Sure. No, I mean, <laughs> hey. Yeah. Trauma, trauma so, yeah. and sex, that's a whole other can of worms that one of these days I yeah. will attempt to open. But Exactly. So, you know, three hours of smashing. And my child bad because Wait, sorry. Three hours. Three hours, my God love, bless. I take breaks. I Good I like for you. yeah. I take cuddle breaks because that is the way I roll. I'm sorry. Like I'm not about to just go in for 15 minutes and then be like, bye bye. No, th- like this is a pandemic, sweetie. Like we're if we like... had an opportunity to fuck, we are going to fuck. <laughs> I feel like you need to host a workshop for straight men. Like, <laughs> sit them down and be like, gentlemen, the key is to go and then take cuddle breaks and then you keep going. I feel like that's conducive to a lot of really, I mean, I guess if you're not a cuddler and it's like not a dynamic that like lends itself to that, then okay. But you can take water breaks. You can take water breaks or also I made coffee for this man oh and I God. like, you know, I was talking with him and getting to know him and asking him questions and like doing all these other things. And it even came up to a point where he asked me, Enrique, why are you so communicative now when on our day I could hardly get any word out of you? Here was my response to him. Sweetie, <laughs> I've been inside of you. All of the shyness that had to go around you <laughs> is already gone. <laughs> That's a lot changes the minute, even if it's just the tip. It's just the tip, and then suddenly, suddenly, a lot of things go out the window. Exactly. Like all of that pressure, it's gone. And also knowing that, like, hey, I made 16 year old Enrique's entire world, I made his life. If like time travel is a thing, I can go back (laughs) to him and tell him things will honestly get really good. They will get bad, but they will get really good. Yeah. Like, don't worry. Bad is part of the adult part. But, like, mm-hmm. also, you're going to nail in this bed, and it's going to be exactly. great. Exactly. Yeah. Like, hey, like, people are dying, but you are, you know, you're, you're trying to, you're trying. 
you're trying to help yourself here. Like you, you made your you made your week basically. And I feel like too, like that must have been. I mean, obviously, there's like the whole reclamation of childhood bed, like the space where you mm-hmm. like not only imagined yourself with men, but also like felt shame about that, and like then you were oh, and- doing it in like a kind of a sounds like a, a blissful, like, kind of healthy scenario, which. God bless, like, we all need more of that. Oh, exactly. It basically put to, like, I put to rest all of those old thoughts about being incredibly ashamed and also just, like, going through my own set of homophobia about feeling said shame. Yeah. Like, basically punishing myself psychologically. Like, no one hurt me more, psychologically speaking, during those during those years than I did. I was my mm. own worst enemy. Yeah, no. So let's, let's kind of backtrack. And um, I think like, you know, the context of your upbringing is obviously definitely important to this particular topic. Um, So why don't you tell me a bit about Enrique's childhood and history? Oof, what a time. I am a second generation Mexican American. Mm-hmm. I was born and raised in a very big city in the South here in Texas, mm-hmm. um, where you definitely kind of have like, you know, a kind of mix of both, really, you know, you have your liberals, you have your conservatives, but ultimately, like, you know, yeah, but, yeah. you know, I was raised by my Mexican born mother who had immigrated to the States in the 80s, mm-hmm. um, not speaking a word of English. Mm. Uh, whereas my father was uh, more of a guest star in my life. He would only pop in whenever he didn't have a girlfriend at the time. Mm. He and my mother um, divorced basically when I was just a few months old. I wasn't even a year old. Like they, they parted ways right, right as I was coming. Like they, 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 they were, they're like, we're done. So my mother was kind of like that very, I, I call her a Clinton Democrat. <laughs> in the way that she is uh she you know she's she comes off as like a socially liberal person but on the inside she's like this very culturally religiously conservative woman mm-hmm. and again i don't blame her because she grew up in a mexican border city um during the 1970s and 1980s yeah where like religion was like the pinnacle of life religion and toxic masculinity mm. and um women constantly um being ashamed about well men and women constantly being ashamed about the sex factor yeah and i mean it made a lot of things very confusing for me while growing up because she would say one thing and then backtrack with another one Mm -hmm. so i honestly so i would always question as like so so what's right then yeah to go further uh, even my own sexual education at home was very flawed because of my mother's upbringing but um even aside from that, her own personal trauma whenever it came to sex as well, mm. because she, uh, in her more formulative years, she was molested by by, by a female relative of hers. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. it made her look at sex from a very negative standpoint. Yeah. That's really hard. Yeah. I mean, incredibly hard for her. And of course, kind of the, the trickle down effect is, um, as it comes to you in talking about that stuff with her growing up exactly so i mean our conversations about sex were always very quick Mm. um she was very much like the get in get out parent whenever it came to like the sex talk yeah and it was also like just like the usual things that they would even teach you in school which if you know if you're from texas know that basically 
like we're in the south we're not known for our quality of education in general let alone sexual education so it was bad it was very awful it was abysmal yeah um yeah (laughs) and it was even worse in that i went to a right-wing lutheran middle and high school and prior to that, I'd gone to a Catholic parochial school. So it I really was. There's just no room for exploration there. Like, there, no. yeah, not at home, not at school. It's hard It's hard to let yourself get comfortable thinking about it at all if, if everything around you is telling you that it's not worth thinking about or worse, that it's shameful to think about. And I mean, the world really, like, God really threw... I'm just going to say the world slash God really threw stones at me. Like they made it, like they made it hard for me because I mean, like I had man boobs. I had Mm. a very, like a very soft voice, super duper freaking soft voice. Mm. And then I was fat. So I'm like, okay, world, thanks. And then on top of that, gay. Um, So (laughs) just no, no self-confidence in young Enrique. Mm no self-confidence in young Enrique and then young Enrique is like in this incredibly repressed environment that's just like not I mean it's not open yeah like like it basically all of that mixed into one threw me deeper the closet Mm. because like we had you know evangelical biblical teachings and mixed together with like you know traditional catholic dogma and then all of that with like other things that I would hear you know, from like person to person, because like, I, I just wanted to make friends and I technically believed anyone. Um, yeah. It made me at one point, and I'm going to be really honest with you here. It made me feel as if I were possessed. Like I legitimately, yeah. like I legitimately thought that I had, like, I'm not joking. I sincerely felt as if I had a demon within me. Yeah. Because every single time that I would think about men, I would feel nothing but shame. I would cry mm. and I would plead and plead and plead with God constantly to just free me of all of these very impure thoughts. And I would always ask, why me? Why mm. Why is life constantly made harder on me? But at that time, like that's that was my world. So for me, it was like, I'm I'm stuck in this place and I don't see a way out. And I at the same time feel as if you know like this supernatural entity is taking over my being and is corrupting me and is leading me basically nowhere good like I would feel constant shame I had no self-confidence like the moment that I would I would immediately just knock it down because I just felt so much shame and I felt like I always I felt like it even came to a point where I was under the impression that I had to go through this in order to be a better Christian, because they always Mm. preached at this evangelical high school. They always preached that the best Christians were the ones that went through all of these hardships that Mm. had to overcome them and had had to to be persecuted. They had to be persecuted in order to, uh, you know, in order to come out as like a really true God believer, except you don't, you really Mm. don't. Yeah. And, and I mean, like, okay, technically speaking, yeah, I could probably talk to my semi-socially mother, uh, a semi-socially liberal mother about, you know, some of these things that I were, that, you know, that I was thinking about. Mm. But at the same time, she always, 
and it always came at the most opportune time for me because right when I was really ready to just, you know, like I was tired and I would go and talk to her about something, she would just, just randomly during a dinner conversation, say something incredibly homophobic. Mm. Just offhanded. Just, well, the thing is, is that, okay, so it was the summertime and, you know, okay, classic in this city in particular, you know, it's pride season in June. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she was complaining about all of the traffic in downtown and she was complaining about all these people out and about and she was just saying, oh, it's a complete circus and they have no self-respect for themselves and why Mm. are they even out there to begin with? And that was kind of like my cue to basically be like, okay, this is not the time. Yeah, it's, so not, it was, it's not the time to say anything. Yeah, it was like, okay, well, like, you know, even as, aside from the religious reasons, like, you can't even be a part of that community because, like, clearly it felt, felt like your mom just didn't, wouldn't approve of it if that were the case. I couldn't go to any other adult in my sphere either because the mm-hmm. other adults were basically, the like, the, t- the educators and administrators at my school. There were a handful of out um, gay men and women at my at my school and they were immediately typecast. Yeah. They were immediately typecast as, you know, the bad kids because yeah. they they were attra- they were attracted to those of the same sex, and they would always be called out and they would always be basically harassed. I remember the principal of this high school. Thankfully, he's no longer the principal there, but mm-hmm. at that time he was completely in the light of day in front of God in front of the kids harass these individuals mm. for no reason whatsoever That's like so they don't fact. I'm sorry like like you don't have to like actually call them out and you don't have to you, you know like mess with them you just let them live let let them live like you let the straight people live like you don't have to yeah. talk to them I've been kind of thinking about this idea of like you feeling like you were possessed and I know that that feeling is felt by a lot of people who are in the evangelical community and who are ingrained in evangelical purity culture. Um, and actually we're going to do an, an episode on, on that specifically as well, but it's, you know, it's one of the things that, that leads to, I mean, just an immense amount of uh, mental health issues, right? This, this, the, not just the, the shame affiliated with the sexuality, but because of the sincere belief that like, your body is is possessed by a demon because you are convinced that that's the only like logical or spiritual explanation for you know the thoughts that you or whoever else is having about sex or about sex with you know people of your same gender identity and so like obviously it's not it's not crazy and it's not unheard of for that to have been your experience given that that's what you'd been you know told to believe over and over again Exactly. And I mean, to be honest with you, um, the constant solution for me in that point was just to go deeper into religion, which now that I think about it was just creating more harm than good. And just like, try like, doing my best to distract myself and to focus on these other things instead, in particular, just like staying pure and giving my all to Jesus because Jesus is going to be the one that saves me mm. and constantly praying, like always pray, like praying about like 10 Hail Marys and 10 Our Fathers within one sitting and while kneeling and just like begging, begging for these feelings to stop. And then mm. 
I would go through these lapses where I thought just because of this, like one, because of this confession or because of these prayers or because of this conference, I felt as if I were healed. Like I would go through these periods where I'm healed. I'm a straight man. I'm normal, just like everybody else. Mm. So like, I don't have to be, I don't have to be looked at differently. I don't have to be treated differently. I can be just like everybody else. Yeah. And then, boom wants to jerk off to like two men having sex yeah and then the cycle just repeats just itself. starts over well i think it i think over. that's um you know one of the things about kind of like religious conferences um or or even like large group congregation or, or community kind of situations as you get uh, kind of an adrenaline rush, a high from being a part of a large group and feeling like you belong or like there is an easy, quote unquote, easy route to, you know, bettering yourself or like ridding yourself of, you know, your shame and, and, and guilt and your sins, you know, if, it, if it's a religious context and that high lasts for however long, right? Like you said, and, like, and then it's you- It's very short term. Yeah, and then you know you're you're right back at it with um you know the the intuitive and, and natural feelings that you have about men, right? And I think like people probably feel that in a, a lot of different ways. Like uh, you know, seek out um, opportunities for hope, probably. And I, I imagine for you, it was exhausting to you know feel so much. I mean, self-frustration and, like, a tendency towards self-punishment, but also exhausting that you were spending so much time, like, I mean, praying. Like, not not to say that prayer is a bad thing, right? But you were dedicating so many times, like you said, like, 10 Hail Marys and 10 Our Fathers in one sitting, like, dedicating so much time and energy to trying to ask God to rid you of this. It's just, it's a lot to put yourself through. It was a lot of pressure, and it was just ultimately also a lot of pressure to just fit the mold of everything that society was kind of expect well the society around me was expecting also kind of like the same thing that my mother was expecting of me to like not that she would vocally say like this is what I'm expecting out of you but just I was seeing how proud she was of my cousins who were getting married and having kids and Mm. basically like very much you know, like saying, oh my God, that's so great. You're so, you know, you're achieving great things. And that for me was kind of just the whole, oh yeah, I also have to get married to a woman and have kids and, you know, have a that yeah. whole like family thing. And that's the tradition. roadmap, you know, exactly. That's the societal roadmap. But that's not really, it really didn't end up being the case. No, yeah. <laughs> And I mean, uh, I didn't have as many male figures in my life. I mean, my dad was very much touch and go, especially Mm -hmm. during that time. Like he was hardly ever around. Um, The only male figures I had in my life were basically my two uncles. Mm. One of them is a paraplegic. He has a lot of health issues, but but he was very constant at the same time. And then another Mm. one, um, fully, fully abled and very sweet, very gentle, um, always caring, just like a very a very great guy mm. and I find out at age 16 that this really great guy that I've always loved is gay mm. 
And the homophobia that I had, that I had crewed for myself and of other gay men as well, because yeah, and I'm going to go ahead, disclaimer to audience, gay men, especially not out gay men, can be homophobic. Yeah, definitely. 100%. Mm. And all of that homophobia that I accrued, basically, I took it out on him. Mm. Like, I went from loving him to automatically hating him. And, I mean, I I grew very distant. I didn't want to associate with him. And it hurt me a lot because he honestly could have been one of the best people to talk to about mm. all of those feelings like if there was anyone I could have talked to during yeah. those during those years it honestly could have been him because he went through so many struggles with my grandmother who is just who is more religious than my mother mm. and is definitely a whole lot is definitely a whole lot more socially conservative than my mother could ever be mm. so he went through he went he went through a lot of things with her because my grandmother would be so ashamed of him coming out as gay that she she wouldn't leave the house mm. she wouldn't go she wouldn't go to parties anymore she wouldn't speak to anyone anymore because the last thing she wanted to be asked was about her gay son yeah because you know very typical in <laughs> very typical in Latin American society to just very much you know the cheese is a real thing like yeah. people want like they want to they just they'll they'll ask anything and they'll try to know as much about your personal life as they possibly can sometimes passive aggressively so she wanted to avoid all that and she was ashamed and she made a lot of things very hard for him and because he loved he honestly loves her he still lives with her and takes care of her like the one child that she treated differently because of this be- because of him being him And he's the one taking care of her. Yeah, he stayed by her. Exactly. Have you, if you don't mind me asking, have you kind of talked to him about this since? About, like, that that time in your life where instead of embracing, you know, him as kind of a a potential resource and and mentor for you, that it it was actually kind of the opposite at the time? We did have a moment... um... After I graduated from college, I took some time to talk with him about it. Mm. So our, at our university, they implemented this um, the lavender ceremony where they celebrate mem- uh, members of the LGBTQ plus community within, you know, within the uh, campus community. So they gave us lavender cords to go along um, with our cap and gown. And I gave him my lavender cords and I told him the reason why I'm giving you this is because for so many years, I honestly... While I was dealing through my personal hell, I hated you Mm. for being this way, for being out and for being so happy about it and um, for being you and just confidently you and living life. And he told me I had a feeling and I honestly wanted to reach out to you so many times but I really did not know how. Mm. And I felt like once you knew how to do it, you could always come to me. And I... He even told me that he regrets not telling me sooner that I could have reached out to him at any point in time, even while I was going through this personal stuff. And we just, we hashed it out and we're, we have such a better relationship now because of it. Like we talk, we talk about a lot of different things now, a lot of, um, a lot of gay culture things. Obviously, obviously in English, we, (laughs) we do not talk about it in Spanish just to, just to, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Keep keep uh, grandma yeah. out of the yeah, conversation. Yeah. Keep, 
you know, keep gra- uh, grandma and the aunties out of the conversation, basically. <laughs> that's good. Though. That's um, It's nice that you guys can share that, though, and now bond, especially now that you're, like, a full-fledged adult and, like, living a life as a gay member of the community. You know, like, there are a ton of adult experiences that gay men have that no one else is going to relate to. So um, maybe, like, the obviously it would have, I'm sure, been happier and healthier for you if you'd been able to reconcile earlier but the timing of that is like it's good you know like you're an adult you have an adult uncle who can probably answer questions or like chat with you about experiences and that's that's very um it's like a happy outcome given everything exactly so it just it made everything better and i'm in a point now where i'm definitely more confident definitely more secure so it was it was great talking to him about that perspective from then in terms of self-exploration, I mean, it was not healthy. It was not healthy whatsoever because, I mean, we touched on my sexual education, mm. so there wasn't much for me to go up on. I didn't explore much as a teen with anyone else because the last thing I ever wanted was someone to out me mm. and to go through that entire, like, tra- like tra- traumatic experience. Yeah. Like my sister would come into my room and she'd be like, OMG, did you hear this? And automatically, like, I would like, you know, almost wet my pants and be like, oh my God, they know that I'm gay. You're just living on edge all the time. Exactly. I I didn't know what to think. And I, and I was always, and I was always afraid, I was always afraid that if like my friends would like catch me, I had one friend who was like very, very, very attractive. Mm. And like, I, you know, I would, I would glance at his butt sometimes. He had a <laughs> as very, one he had does. A, oh my god, as one does. I'm, I'm an ass man. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I'm not going to apologize hey. for that now. No. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I, you know, would admire the human form and its splendor. Like that's how I took it. And it was the same man that senior year of high school like smacked me in the ass as one straight man does with his straight sure 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 yeah with his pseudo straight buddy (laughs) no homo no homo and like he slapped my ass and like an entire rush went through me like i was flushed my cheeks were red i had an entire like that was attractive moment um i mean like if there there was any you have moments <laughs> if anyone had been watching you that day, they would have been like, "Oh, yep, there it is." <laughs> yep, there it is. Also, exactly. like, I don't think that, like, ass slapping—not a platonic gesture. It's not a platonic gesture whatsoever. And honestly, I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be. Um, just you know assuming things here but there did come a time where i also thought that he was perhaps on the same team because he you know he never had that much luck with girls and then a lot of girls would also say that he wasn't like super duper into like exploring with them well is he have we stalked his social media recently he's like a military guy now he like so impossible to tell impossible to tell like he did like the whole shebang Yikes. like he went to a&m he did the corps of cadets 
Oh yeah. Well, if it if anything is there for him, it has been shoved into a mason jar and put in the back of his poor, poor repressed body as well. If if and he's Catholic too. Yeah, I mean, even, yeah, even you know what? Yeah. Like, I mean, maybe maybe he just slapped your ass as a straight man does to another human being, but I don't know. Maybe not. I mean, question marks all around. <laughs> But, like, so, no sexual education. So, basically, my form of sexual, sexual education my, in my teens, ladies and gents, and um, non-binary folk that I love, um, <laughs> was that of pornography, in particular, gay pornography. Yeah. I, um, I mean, that was, that was my sex ed 101. Um, That's watching... a common story. A lot of people teach themselves sex by watching porn exactly like uh like you know the moaning and the and the condoms and all that other stuff i honestly watching porn with condoms i don't know what i would i mean first of all safety love that um but i don't I, i don't know what i as a woman would sound like in bed if i didn't have porn and media telling me how i was supposed to sound do you know what I mean? Like, not, you know, I like, know not like I'm out here trying to be like, oh, yeah, daddy. Like, I don't, I don't try to actively replicate porn sounds. And I'm, I'm assuming you also don't. But sometimes you say things or things come out of your mouth and you're like, I learned that in porn. You know yeah, what I mean? 100%. I mean, okay, me during sex, like the sounds that I've like noticed myself make are just like pleasurable sounds good but if i'm like okay if i do anything like if i do say anything like oh yes daddy or what or yeah yeah, yeah. like ride my dick harder it's more so because like i want them to finish already because (laughs) it is awful it is awful that's so good no that's that's the fun and this is this is totally because you do that or at least my assumption and because this is how it works for me i think is like you say things like that to try to get them to finish quicker because you assume that they've also been watching too much porn and that saying things that you would hear in porn is what's gonna get them done quicker i feel like this is a theory i've just built i mean it is okay it is a very accurate theory especially when you're especially when you're a gay man fucking other gay men in mm-hmm. the south like, you know that their sexual education was just as awful as yours. Right. Their sexual education was porn. In their garage, in their car, in their bedroom, in their bathroom, wherever they could hide, that's where they were doing it. And yeah. that, you know, they're used to the sounds. And, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just here having an awful time and motivating them to finish so that I can... <laughs> So that I don't have to look like the asshole to be like, you know what, we're done here. I'm tapped out. Yeah, I I'm mean, I, I, I shouldn't laugh because having bad sex is like often unfunny and often traumatic as well, depending mm. on the bad sex. But, you know, how else do we process shitty interactions with other people than to make jokes of them after the fact exactly i'm reminding i'm gonna be so gay right here um i reminded myself of um miranda from sex in the city <laughs> where where the guy i don't all, all you gays out there and um who probably watched this oh, yeah, i've, I've when, seen it many times i covid rewatched it in a moment of darkness oh. In what other setting would you honestly ever do that? No, never. And <laughs> only then. Only it doesn't. It does not always hold up. There are lots of things that are super yeah. problematic in it. It was filmed in the early two thousands, and you can tell. But some of the yes. stuff is pretty funny. Continue. 
it's pretty funny but like this woman like the, the guy's trying to get her to like make all these sounds because he's trying to make her come mm-hmm. and the thing is is that like she can't come because your dick is awful and because you're not you're not getting her you're not, you're not working satisfying it. her you're not you're not working it exactly yeah and she's been faking it this entire time deceiving you do not do that do not ever do that wasn't that <laughs> the episode the t- it was the optometrist right it was the optometrist and she like just stops she stops trying to fake an orgasm and he's like what i do wrong you didn't come that time and she's like i've never ever come with you <laughs> And then she so had to fake it again toward the end after all that work they <laughs> Just to get him to leave her alone. Exactly. So, exactly. So that was that. That was that. I was a Miranda. I will always be a Miranda. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but anyways, uh, back to the story. Mm-hmm. Um, my big first like experience was like summer of 2014. Mm-hmm. Going into my senior year, I went to... Drum roll, please. I went to the American Legion's Texas Voice State, which sounds just as hellish as that name. Yeah, can you can you tell me slash the audience what the fuck that is? Okay, so every state has a boy state and a girl state where okay, each high school within the state sends a number of rising seniors to a conference at a university. Oh. In the hottest week of the summer. Wet hot only... summer, baby. <sighs> exactly. Only to wear the only to wear a t shirt, jeans tucked in with a belt <laughs> in the in the hot Texas sun, marching from one building to the other to be taught about governance. Mm. State local, state and federal. Well mostly local and state. So you take this closeted um very low self-esteemed Enrique to this conference with a lot of other men, with a lot of other boys around the state I'm not gonna say men because those were boys I'm sorry no. <laughs> <laughs> um you know it, in a roommate situation and in public showers it's a lot of stimulation a lot of stimulation like I had to I had to work my way around a boner once in the public shower oh, it man. was not it was not a moment it was not a moment I was very much ashamed yeah no that's that's exclusively stressful for sure exactly and so like I met I'm like I developed a like a rapport with one of my counselors uh-uh. Who was just like two years older than me honestly um he was a um student at rice and he like came off like very charming very sweet and he was just like super duper conversational and like as like these like little things would like as these conferences would go on like he and i would just like banter and chat mm. and it just like and it became like a whole thing and um i was seeing a girl at the time yeah. and all of a sudden I was like flirting with this man and it was really weird because I'd never flirted like openly flirted with a man before so it was like it was like oh what what the fuck and probably like a little bit I mean was it a little bit relieving to to have an opportunity to do that or was it just adding to the embarrassment and shame 
it was adding to the embarrassment and shame mm-hmm. primarily because I felt like I was doing myself wrong. I felt like I was doing the girl that I was seeing wrong. Yeah. Uh, just a lot of different things. And it was just like, it was, it was exciting and it was definitely fun. But at the same time, it was very, 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 it was very awful. Like inside my head, like all of these like fire alarms were going off to mm. me, like, go, go back, go back. Yeah. And it's just, and I later talked to some of my school friends about it once I got back, um, back to school because um, not only did this did this guy and I flirt at this at this event, but he and I later ended up meeting multiple times during that summer back in Houston. So it definitely continued, and it got to a point where I wanted to talk to someone about it. So I talked to them about like people that I had registered as like these are my really good friends these are my best friends so Mm -hmm. i can talk to them about anything i was wrong um (laughs) like these are like you know just as repressed these are individuals who are just as repressed as i am like my then best friend like he was so deep into religion and probably still is like he wears a purity ring probably still does wear that purity ring actually um i should facebook stalk him and see if that ring is still on his finger (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just but. casually go on there and be like Let zooming me take a in look at your, yeah i'm zooming in taking a look at your right <laughs> hand at, at, your, at your left hand and seeing if that ring is still right there on your index finger i think you should um, do it no. give us an update i'll give you an update yes um but i tell him this and he like looks like he like stares blankly at me for like a solid minute mm. And then all he could pro- all he could tell me at that point was just like Enrique, I think you just need to pray on this. You're like cool things helpful. I tried that, and sir. You you have no idea how hard I've done. Like yeah, like yeah, I'm very close. I'm I'm very close to God at this point. Yeah. Like like I also want to like I was contemplating killing myself at one point because of the frustration it was not it was not a good it was not a good time um but him telling me that and then also telling me like i that um that i'm probably just confused and that maybe i took it the wrong way and that i should think against it basically like i shouldn't give it further thought well, like just, I should just stop right here. He was gaslighting you, essentially. Like, very much. Like most of my friendships then at that point was just centered around gaslighting now that I look back on them. Um mm. like they weren't they weren't real friends. But who on okay, I'm gonna be really honest with you. Who honestly is your friend at that age? Like you're not yeah. you're not good friends with anyone at that age just because you're still trying to figure shit out. Right. So I can't blame him entirely. Um yeah no so again retreated back like I was like creeping out of the closet at that point like I was like very like I was like tiptoeing out like a foot uh, basically a toe was out of the closet but Mm -hmm. that conversation with him just made me like creep back in and like stay in for the for, uh, for like a good portion of the time but like the worst part about it is that I still like I was still talking to this guy and I was still trying to be as like close as I possibly can to this guy and audience, this is going to, I I mean, at one point I was a Republican and the reason why I was a Republican 
was because of this guy. A lot of people have been asking me for years, Enrique, why were you a Republican from 2014 to 20, uh, to 20 um, kind of 2015? It was because I was really just going after a guy. Like, so he was how, super yeah, conservative? He was semi-super conservative, yeah. That's so interesting because he was like, pretty blatantly flirting with like a, a, a younger man yeah well also uh, here's here's another disclaimer um he actually is an out the like like presently he is an out gay man at the time he was probably still as much like as much in the closet as i was mm. but like he is he is out he is gay so like my you know like I wasn't wrong. No, you weren't making anything up in your head. Like clearly it was reciprocated. It was clearly reciprocated. Like there was something there. Like it wasn't all in my head. And yeah, I mean I didn't love myself and I was doing all of these things to like try to make things make sense. Hmm. And it just, it was, um, it was a really weird time in terms of like exploring and finding myself there. It was, it was very toxic. Can it I ask exist. what happened with the guy? Did you guys just eventually stop talking? So I wanted to test things out. So this was when I actually got to college and once I was experimenting and mm-hmm. I was, um, actually having a whole lot more room to actually explore probably not in the best of ways but i was definitely exploring more and definitely trying things out i snapped him one evening just to like test things out see where things laid with him i sent him a photo of me just like a selfie and in the caption i put i really want to kiss you i I was probably drunk no, I, also, my jaw yeah, dropped yeah. because I love the bold energy. I know that was probably terrifying for you at the time. It was very bold of me. But like, um, hey, if you're going to explore, you might as well go hard, I guess. I mean, that was a very weird point because at that point I was dropping the religious game. Like I was very angry at God for, mm. because I was blaming God at that time for having me go through all of that, all of that scenario for make uh, for basically being a part of a system that made me feel as if I was actually possessed. Like, come mm-hmm. on. And furthermore, for not providing some form of solace to something that honestly was natural. Yeah. But I sent this guy this snap and no response, not like complete silence blocks me. No. What yes. the fuck? Yes. <laughs> I mean, like, you know what? You came in like a wrecking ball and he just like wasn't prepared and clearly had some stuff to work on himself. And that's fine. Like he set a boundary and we respect boundaries and that's fine. But just a hard block. Damn. Like a hard, complete block. And I mean, it definitely it definitely did tell me like where he was and his own way yeah. to self-discovery yeah totally. i mean he wasn't in, he wasn't in the same place that i was it just also told me that like hey this is not the right tree to bark up you you should just focus on you basically and you can lay this to rest now you don't have to you don't have to worry about him anymore yeah He's gone. exactly he literally set up a boundary he made things very easy for you great super no more no mas yeah and i mean college was a very weird time 
especially at that point, it was a really weird time anyways, because I was really, I was really against the whole religious game, even though I was, you know, I was being a part of like the Catholic student group. There was a time where I eventually just said, held, held to the note to this because it basically was keeping me from being my full fabulous gay self. You know, that's what my very immature ass said at that point in time, yeah, word for word. And I was just making a lot of horrible decisions. I rushed the whole sexual experience. I mean, I went on Grindr. I, I chatted with a guy for a little bit, thought there was an understanding. And I just, I went for it. Like, I didn't even meet him prior. I didn't formulate a relationship with him prior to that. I just, you know, I played the casual sex game mm. as one usually does in gay sex culture it right. being what it is and it ended up being incredibly incredibly traumatic for me just because looking back on it now I wasn't ready for something like that and yeah. I probably wasn't really with the best person for it either because I went there under the impression that we were just gonna jack off and kiss it ended up me bottoming yeah. and to the audience if you are a person who's never bottomed before and also you're a person who did not prep prior to bottoming mm. it, it's complete it's 100 painful and yeah. to have to tell this person i'm not comfortable with this i'm not comfortable with this please stop and then him telling me like no no it's okay i'll get better like i, I at least yeah. i'm i'm at least like grateful that he wore a condom but like it was awful and it was that's really traumatic. I felt, I felt violated in a way because he wasn't stopping. And I just honestly just wanted to get the fuck out of there. I wanted him to finish. And I wanted him to just like, and I wanted to just put my clothes on because at the same time, I was afraid that, I mean, I could have just like told him to stop and gone out at any point, but I didn't know. I was afraid of how he would potentially react. I didn't know if he was going to get violent. And yeah. he lived with someone, so I don't know if he was going to tell that other someone to, like, come in and, like, I don't know. So I just let him finish. I made sure that he came out, like, that he, whenever he came, it was not within me. Right. Um, I was, like, just come on my face as kind of, like, a method to, like, get him to come somewhere else. Yeah. And, okay, great. I'm going to clean myself. I'm going to just completely rinse off and I'm going to leave and that entire event opened up future casual sexual experiences that very much it was a way for me in no way shape or form am I justifying my my own sex addiction my own sex addiction because it is a real thing right and it's something that we work to contain and we work to control every single day hmm are I mean I always ha I had a need to just have attention and to feel that and to feel love because I honestly didn't feel that sort of love and in a way it was me coping with that experience and trying to make each and every single experience after that see if it could wash away that experience but it never ever could yeah. And I would always leave every single sexual experience, even the good ones, with really sweet guys. Very, I mean, very, very sweet guys. I would leave every single sexual experience feeling that classic Catholic shame, hmm. that Catholic guilt of like, 
you committed this great sin and you're really going to get punished for it. Well, and and you had an incredibly, incredibly traumatic first sexual experience. I mean, you know, the, the shame that you were brought up in was traumatic enough without like such a, a horrendous kind of physical experience. And, um, it's, I mean, it's completely valid that everything has been kind of tangled up in, in that multifaceted trauma, you know, that's, that's incredibly hard. It was incredibly hard. And it was even harder considering that at the time, even though I was telling everyone that I was out, a part of me was still incredibly skeptical because I mean, just a little bit before that, I told my mother that I was out mm. and um, that I'm gay. And she, by the way, if you are coming out to some, if someone's coming out to you, never, ever, ever, ever tell them, oh, I knew this entire time. No. Please don't tell them that. That makes them feel like, okay, well, you could have just talked to me about this a long time ago. Or like, I don't, okay, I'm sorry. I don't need you to tell me that you knew. What matters is that I know. Right. So like, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that process. Like you could at least ask, like, are you doing okay? Like, what's going on? What Like, what's, like, what are you thinking about right now? You could yeah. at least ask something like that. But you don't say, oh, I knew this entire time. Well, I imagine that that would make you feel like all of your efforts to hide that for years were pointless which i feel like would be just so frustrating and exhausting and you know feel like you'd just wasted time not being yourself i mean i love my mother and i will always love my mother but that was genuinely the first time ever that i'd felt a feeling very close to hatred towards my mother i'd gone through all of this all Uh, these feelings only for her to tell me this that she she just already fucking knew or she at least was pretty sure she had an idea i mean you don't raise a like a little boy having him like you know act very you know classically feminine and just like not having these not having honestly and not have an inkling you caught him watching bisexual porn one time and you found his stash of men's health magazines like come on (laughs) i mean hey yeah (laughs) the evidence was right there yeah 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 so did you know that because of those things that she had a sense or did you think that maybe she had kind of like written those things off as as random occurrences well to be honest i didn't really know about her finding my stack of men's health magazines until we moved houses in um goodness 2019 Mm -hmm. and i saw that I was trying to look for my stash of men's health magazines because I knew they were like buried deep inside my closet. No, I found them in a drawer within my armoire. And it was a drawer that she would usually like use for some of her things because they wouldn't fit in um, some uh, in her armoire in her bedroom. Mm-hmm. So she would put things in there and they were in there. So you knew and she moved she... them. Oh yeah, I, I definitely knew that she moved them. I knew that she, one, I knew that she snooped inside my bedroom the moment <laughs> I left for college. I'm like, this woman is going to snoop in my bedroom the minute I leave for college. Sure. Turns out she did. Turns out she did. Of course. <laughs> and she moved them. Oh, just just so that I, I could figure out uh, basically four years later that, that she, she knew. Them. Yeah. That she knew. That's so funny. I feel like that's such a mom move. 
like, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll put his magazines, like, in a more convenient location so that also he knows I've seen them. Exactly. <laughs> they were, like, neatly tucked at, like, one corner of the drawer. Aw. She like, placed them right there, there with care. That's kind of nice. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, oh, cute. I'm going to put them in this drawer all tidy. <laughs> yeah, we'll, 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 let, we'll, we'll, let the, um, we'll let the shame sink in later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Sort of, Just yeah, let exactly. it be a cute thing. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, but it was also, it was a weird time because I had, I was going through so much shit as a quote unquote out gay man. I'm not going to say that I was fully out at that time because my definition of an out gay man is a gay man that is actually 100% confident in being him, hmm. being happy that he's gay and owning that he's, I wasn't owning it. I was having right. sex with men, but I wasn't owning it in the way that was healthy, in the way that was that was going to help my my growth as a human being. It wasn't. Right. It, I wasn't going through that, and because of that, I was saying I, w- I was again going back to the religious bullshit, and I was saying maybe this was just a test, and maybe I went through this experience, and now I can go back to being straight. Hmm. And now you can be the full God lo- God loving, God fearing, straight man that you could possibly be. Mm. I broke up with my boyfriend at the time because I was dating someone by that wow. point. Yeah. Yeah. And one part of me did break up with him because he was being incredibly clingy. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, like mm-hmm. he annoyed me. He had uh, he had completely annoyed me by that point. But it was also because of that religious conference that I went to after the, after New Year's. Right. That just it it was kind of like it completely pushed me out of it like any form of reconciliation that I could have ever possibly had with him like it was done it was gone like it it was not gonna happen so I went through that thing again and then eventually it did not last long as most of those things we said earlier they're short term (laughs) right they're short term eventually I did have sex with a man again you know and I was going through that entire spiral again Mm. and it was not healthy and eventually you know what this time I said if you really want to be happy Enrique you actually have to be happy and you have to speak up and you have to fight for yourself Mm. because you can't you're not going to play that you're not going to stick to the same thing as you did as a teen and dig and dig deep into religion and think that you're possessed well, actually, believe that you were possessed, yeah. And then, and and say nothing to, and say nothing to no one. My first instinct, honestly, since I hadn't done it in a very, I hadn't done it for years by that point, was that I went to confession, and I promised myself that in confession, I was going to say the things. I was actually going to confess to a priest for the first time that I am a gay man. I like men. I like gay sex. But re- but recently, it's made me feel awful. Hmm. and it has made me feel awful for because of because of said situation yeah and the entire experience has in a way it's made me feel awful about myself and I don't know if I love myself anymore Hmm. or if I ever did and honestly god bless this very open-minded priest (laughs) who just happened to be at the meditation garden of our college's chapel that day Mm. because 
he honestly, he heard me out. And the first thing that he asked me was if I felt it was natural for me to pursue a relationship with a man. Mm. And I said, yes, it, it feels right to me because I don't feel like it's natural for me to pursue relationships with women. I mm. love women. I'm friends with many women. I grew up with women. Mm-hmm. I respect and it, I, I, I respect and admire all of them, but I can never enter a super intimate relationship with a woman because I don't think I'm, I, I don't think I ever can. Yeah. And he told me that I cannot continue punishing myself for something that comes out naturally. Mm. And I also cannot proclaim, even though I, I, I wasn't at that time, but he said it anyways, I cannot proclaim to have faith and love in Christ without accepting and loving myself first. And the first thing I thought was, wow, if only someone had told me that when I was punishing myself as a teen. Yeah. I wish someone had told me that at that point, because when you look at Christianity, for example, and you look at what Christ stands for, you know, he stands for love. He stands for acceptance. He stands Mm -hmm. for not judging others based on their appearance and their addictions and the things that are currently deterring them from being great beings. He's about accepting everyone to the table, not just, not just, not just the overly self-righteous. Right. It was the tipping point for me because it, it really did motivate me to, one, open up my relationship with Catholicism again. It really did. I mm. mean, um, I started going to Mass more often and actually participating and believing and not just going through the motions. It made me feel whole. Like, I wasn't going, I wasn't going to church or praying to heal me of these so-called impurities. Like, I was praying for peace i was praying for understanding i was praying Mm. for other people and for their um for everyone's advancement basically and just like the the, like the people in my life and it was very different and it felt more it it felt more genuine and sincere and Mm. it was really the first time that i had ever felt that before and it was it like i didn't I didn't feel shame. I didn't feel judged. I just, I felt me. Mm. That brings you to today. With therapy and talking to my mother and being sincere with my mother and talking and telling her about my sexual, some of my sexual experience. I wasn't going to dwell too far into it. I did say a little bit, Not I didn't, I didn't say about the first experience, but I did say about the other ones and how it was making me feel mm. and how I legitimately felt depressed. So I kind of, like twisted her arm enough to her, enough for her to like find me a psychiatrist because her first her first idea we look we love my mother she's great we do. but yes. sometimes she comes up with really awful ideas at first <laughs> she was suggesting to send me to a hypnotist mm. and i had to very kindly i i was very i was very patient with her that day i very kindly told her that that is a form of conversion therapy and mm-hmm. that is not constructive to my current crisis. Right. What would be constructive to my current crisis is speaking to a therapist or a psychiatrist, a, a trained professional yeah. who knows how to deal with anxiety and who knows how to deal with people within the LGBTQ plus community. 
Yeah. I told her, find me someone who's going to either fi- uh, find my lifestyle, because I did say it like that at the time, just to appease her. Sure. Um, that finds my lifestyle as valid or invalid. Yeah. And she did. Thinking that he would tell me that it was a bunch of bullshit. But in reality, this man helped me so much. We stand him. He's great. He, we love he a good honestly, therapist. He said my feelings were valid. He said that I am gay. He's like, Enrique, you were, you were really one. You were really a gay. <laughs> he was you're like, you're definitely gay. <laughs> Diagnosis, gay. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you know you're a gay man just as much as I know that I'm a straight man, is what he told me. Yeah. I mean, that's like, the thing. Okay, it is It you. is just that. You know what I mean? It's not no. this weird, like, programming fluke. It's like, yep, some people like men and some people like women and some people like everybody or or no one. And all of oh, that is okay. No. And all no, of that is okay. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So the date of me coming out, like, that official date, May 22nd, 2017, that is when I came out. Because I came out to myself hmm. as starting my journey to becoming a full, uh, becoming a fully confident gay man. Yeah, the journey's still going. We're still going through, you know, some some you know some humps here and there. But as one does. We're definitely as one does because we're human. Mm-hmm. But I'm definitely in a better position now than I was then. I'm definitely in a better understanding of who I am now. Hmm. way better understanding honestly more more confident and more sincere than yeah. I was then well I've seen you become more confident in the last four years I think just you know the the more you've just been you yeah that's honestly that's the best advice I can give to anyone who is coming out is that learn to honestly learn to just be you look if I told myself back then to stop worrying about what other people think and to just focus on myself yeah I probably wouldn't have had as many friends but I would have been happy with myself because I knew that I was actually being honest with myself and trying to do my best to love myself first rather than seek out other people's love and what can you what would you tell to you know LGBTQ plus folks who are either still practicing their faith or are struggling to to reconcile you know their sexuality and and their beliefs what advice would you give them oh big one um so (laughs) i would say lean less on the institution of your religion and gravitate more towards your own spiritual connection i mean frankly it may not be catholicism like mine it can be anything that makes you feel comfortable fulfilled and whole frankly it doesn't even like you don't even have to it doesn't even have to be a deity sometimes i mean Mm. you can just find that spiritual understanding for yourself because it makes at least for me it made so many things make more sense and it definitely helped open the way for me to just be calm your faith is yours it's not Mm. anybody else's you establish what are the limitations of your faith, how far you're going to go with your faith. No one else should ever tell you that your faith is invalid. No one should ever tell you that you're not, that you're not welcome Mm -hmm. in this faith. 
because of you being gay you are perfectly fine still following your religion if you feel that spiritual understanding don't let the haters get to you and tell you that you're not welcomed Hmm. that was great i mean i think like obviously you at one point would have benefited from hearing all of that from from future you and um you know hopefully people struggling with with that reconciliation can you know have have a, a journey with an outcome such as yours. I mean, I know life, life is a journey. Life is a highway, as some might say. Um, <laughs> and there's lots to learn and lots to explore and lots of, you know, personal work to be done. But here's another thing. It's not, it's, it's not a bad thing to be spiritual and be sexual at the same time. You can be both. Honestly, mm. you can be both. You like, just because you are a heavily spiritual person does not mean that sex is off the table, does not mean that it is a taboo. Exactly. If anything, it makes you a well, it makes you a better rounded person for yeah. being able to be a spiritual person and at the same time have wonderful sex. In fact, if anything, it probably makes it probably makes having sex a little bit more enlightening, actually. There you go. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. At least that's how I'm going about it. <laughs> no, yeah, that's 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 interesting. Obviously, um, it's working for you where you stand now. So hell yeah. Exactly. Be fabulous and be you. <laughs> be fabulous and be you. Enrique, it's been so good having you on. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you for having me on. Um, I love talking to you. Thank you so much. And I'm sure we will all be hearing from you again on other episodes in the future. 